It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this is Raven News. Sitka police are investigating an accident over the weekend that landed a vehicle and its four occupants in the water at Eliason Harbor. Dispatch received a call at about 12.30 p.m. on Sunday that a vehicle was in the water. One ambulance and a fire engine responded. Sitka police spokesperson Serena Wild says that the driver became confused and stepped on the gas instead of the brake when parking the van. The vehicle jumped the concrete parking block, startling the driver further, who stepped on the gas again, putting the van into the ocean. The van was pulled from the water by a tow truck. Neither the driver or his three passengers were injured. The Sitka Grand Jury indicted two men this spring on a variety of weapons and drug charges. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The Grand Jury indicted 44-year-old William Scott Knoll on April 14th on three counts of misconduct involving a controlled substance and three counts of misconduct involving weapons. According to court records, Sitka police were summoned to the Rocky Gutierrez Airport on March 18th by Transportation Security Administration officers and shown luggage allegedly belonging to Knoll that contained an undeclared Springfield Armory 1911 pistol. The firearm was disassembled down to the main components and packed in a hard-sided storage tote. A bag inside the tote contained seven loose 45 caliber rounds. Police checked Knoll's criminal history and discovered he had been arrested and convicted on felony charges by the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms in Anchorage in 2007. Knoll flew from Sitka but returned on April 6th when he was met by Sitka police officers at the Super 8 Motel and arrested for knowingly possessing a concealable firearm after having been convicted of a felony. During the arrest, officers observed assorted alleged drug paraphernalia, including a scale, cotton swabs, and a number of dime bags. Officers obtained a search warrant and subsequently seized the paraphernalia, along with a Springfield 45 caliber handgun and $1,600 in cash. Field testing of the substances in the dime bags was presumptively positive for methamphetamine and heroin. A search of Knoll's box trailer and car parked in the Super 8 lot produced a Mossberg AR-15 assault-style weapon and several dime bags containing apparent drug residue. Knoll is currently being held at the Lemon Creek Correctional Center in Juneau. His trial has been scheduled for the week of July 5th in Sitka Superior Court. The Sitka Grand Jury indicted a second defendant this spring, also on firearms charges. 26-year-old Alex Michael Ireland was indicted on April 14th on one count of misconduct involving weapons for allegedly being in possession of a concealable weapon after having been convicted of a felony. Ireland is also facing a number of lesser charges related to wildlife violations. According to court records, Ireland first came to the attention of law enforcement when he called the Sitka Police Department in December 2021 to inquire about selling game meat. A records check by Alaska Wildlife Troopers indicated that Ireland had obtained resident hunting and fishing licenses in November and December of 2021, after claiming Alaska residency beginning the previous year in July of 2020. On further investigation, troopers learned that Ireland had been arrested twice in Alabama in early 2021 on felony drug possession and incarcerated for short periods both times. Troopers claim that Ireland's social media posts and information from his first employer 
indicate that he arrived in Sitka in June of 2021. When interviewed by troopers about these discrepancies, Ireland allegedly admitted to making false statements to obtain a resident hunting license in order to save money. He also is alleged to have admitted to taking two deer in Catlian Bay and Nakwasina Sound without purchasing the appropriate non-resident tags. Ireland's felony charge stems from a social media post he made in October 2021, which allegedly shows a video of him standing in the middle of Blue Lake Road firing a 9mm Glock pistol with an extended magazine into an embankment. Ireland allegedly told officers that he had another person buy the pistol for him at Orion Sporting Goods in the fall of 2021, as he was unable to do so as a convicted felon. Police obtained a search warrant for Ireland's residence aboard a fishing vessel and allegedly found the pistol hidden in the defendant's bunk. Based on the social media post, troopers also cited Ireland for discharging a firearm on a highway. Ireland was arrested and released on $1,500 bail. He's scheduled to face trial in Sitka Superior Court on the felony count in October of this year. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. The Kenai River King Salmon Run opened yesterday, but the Alaska Department of Fish and Game says recent estimates aren't looking great for the run, and fishing will be restricted to catch and release only. KDLL's Sabine Pooks has more. Colton Lipka is the sport fish area manager for Fish and Game. He says as of Sunday, only 72 large king salmon had passed through the sonar in Soldatna. That's 200 fewer than the same time last year. Right now, we're looking at a very slow start. Uh, this is one of the lowest starts that we've had, uh, similar to 2020 as far as counts and timing. 2020 was one of the department's lower years on record. And Lipka says most of the indicators this time around are suggesting a weak run as well. That said, it is still early for the fishery, and there's time for the run to pick up. I mean, the fish will show up. It's just a matter of how many. Uh, we could just be looking at a late year, so these numbers could increase in short order. Um, but if they don't, then our next step would actually be closure of the fishery. The catch and release limitation isn't an unusual step for the department to take. Lipka says last year, the department opened under general regulations, allowing anglers to take one king a day, before then switching to catch and release restrictions in June. Midway through the 2020 early king run, the department closed the fishery altogether. This year we're being a little more proactive as far as recognizing this run is off to a pretty slow start. Also watching closely are the Kenai River fishing guides who rely on anglers for business. Ray DeBartolabin is president of the Kenai River Professional Guide Association and guides sport fishermen from his Soldatna business, Long Live the Kings. He says he's grateful the department's been taking steps to protect the kings amid a downward trend for the species. It's been ongoing for statewide, actually, for, for many years now, and so we're kind of prepared to have Plan B and Plan C. He says most Kenai River guides have diversified their businesses to account for the change in kings. He says halibut fishing, for example, is saving his business. He also takes anglers out on the Kasilof River, where they can catch and retain hatchery-produced kings this year. And he says many other guides have taken similar steps. Others, he says, have given up on the fishery altogether. The guiding numbers are definitely way down compared to what they were. Some people that just didn't want to diversify just, just quit doing it. DeBarta Laban says he'll be okay this year. He's been in the business for three decades. But he says newer guides might feel the effects of limitations and closures much more. 
The late Kenai King Run, which is more popular than the early run, starts in July. That's also slated to open up under catch and release restrictions. Anglers under catch and release can use one single hook, unbaited artificial lure to catch kings. Any kings they do catch, they must release immediately. In Kenai, I'm Sabine Pooks. A large area of interior Alaska was without power last week, and the cause has yet to be pinpointed. KUAC's Tim Ellis reports. The power went out around 9.30 Thursday night, just as the folks in Delta Junction, like everywhere else, were gearing up for the Memorial Day holiday. It was a series of outages that affected most of Delta and surrounding areas. In total, there were over 2,300 members who were without power. Golden Valley spokesperson Meadow Bailey says the blackout was caused by the collapse of a pole structure that holds up the transmission line where it runs through Shaw Creek Flats, a swampy, hard-to-get-to area about 20 miles north of Delta. Part of the challenge was the location, you know, is in water, um, to be able to get crews out there and then to be able to get it to try to stand it back up. Just took time. Bailey says Golden Valley's operations staff hasn't had to deal with a pole collapse for at least the past 20 years. She says the structure appeared to be tilted a bit when a helicopter patrolled the line earlier this month, but she says it didn't seem in danger of failure. Then that problem was compounded by another, a malfunction that kept the 27 megawatt backup generator at Golden Valley's Delta substation from operating. So it's an unusual circumstance in that you know we are backup did not start as anticipated. And at this point, we're not sure exactly what happened. Of course, we're looking into that and then to make repairs so that doesn't happen again in the future. Golden Valley acquired the generator when it bought out the old Fairbanks Municipal Utility System in 1997. It was moved to Delta and installed in the substation just south of town back in 2005. Bailey says the generator is inspected bi-monthly and maintained annually, most recently last month when it was started and tested. We recognize, you know, it is an older plant. We use it in emergency situations and, and you know, as a backup, like a, a situation like this. Bailey says Golden Valley dispatched 15 crew members to work on the generator, in addition to the nine it had sent to repair the pole structure. Meanwhile, Fort Greeley fired up its backup generators soon after the power went out Thursday night, as did the area's two big industrial customers, Trans-Alaska Pipeline Pump Station 9 and the Pogo Gold Mine. And the city of Delta cranked up its generators. We spent a lot of time at the fire department making sure their generators were up and going. Um, we actually went down, got the landfill open for business as usual. City Administrator Ken Greenleaf says a lot of folks were concerned about the situation Friday morning, including local restaurants that were scrambling to keep food refrigerated. Also, locals and tourists hoping to fill the tank on the way to a weekend camping or fishing trip. In Delta, I'm Tim Ellis. I'm Brooke Schaefer, and this has been Raven News.